Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another episode of Undying Light. I am your host, Alex, and I am excited to be with you all uh, on this journey through the series on eschatology that we are in, and uh, we are continuing our way through this as uh, we've been doing for a number of months now. We've gone all the way back to August, uh, only really taking off the month of December uh, just to do a Christmas series, but we have been um, just pushing ourselves through a ton of scripture. We've looked at uh, you know the uh, four major views early on, and then we started to look at um, the uh, the Old Testament eschatology. Uh, we looked at some uh, world religions and pagan eschatology. You know how the world kind of set themselves up. Uh, then, then we went into the Old Testament, and now we're looking at the Olivet Discourse uh, as primary focus because there's a lot of meat here in this two chapters in Matthew that is running parallel to Mark 13 and Luke 21. And so uh, I, I'm extremely excited to be on this journey with you, and I, and I hope that these shows, these, edi- these episodes have been edifying to you. And and I love to just pour in this work. Uh, so here's what we've got on tap for the remaining shows uh, in this uh, portion of the series before we get into the Pauline eschatology. So we are going to look at the first 13 verses in chapter 25, the parable of the 10 virgins. Next week, we're going to look at the parable of the talents, and then we are going to conclude this portion of our series with the final judgment. So three more weeks in the Gospels, ladies and gentlemen, and then we will move on to Pauline eschatology. Uh, We will be looking at some of that text. Obviously, we will be revisiting plenty of Old Testament and New Testament scripture uh, as we venture through what Paul is pulling from, and uh, we will be digging into that after we do that, I think we might look at Peter um, for a week. There is some text in there that we're going to probably look at, and then we're going to dig in and probably do 21 weeks in Revelation. Uh, and that will conclude the series. Now, uh, I don't know if I'm going to spend a ton of time doing the Pauline stuff. There is a lot that we could pull from, but I'm thinking based upon the amount of work left, well, maybe three episodes at most. Uh, I want to try to get as much uh, accomplished, but I also want to make sure that we do our due diligence and we study the text in its right time. So, uh, if we if we do it in two, if we do it in four, I'm you know however it plans out. But I am going to start working on the Pauline stuff here in the next week or two. And don't mind me, but I am getting over a slight head cold. Uh, it's kind of left me a little bit nasally, if you would. So you're going to get me in a 
bit of a different mode as this episode drops on Friday. Um, I was also uh, very blessed to have had Ray Rhodes come on the show uh, Tuesday. So if you haven't caught that episode, make sure you go back and check it out. It was a fantastic interview. I am so blessed to have had him come on. He is the author of Yours Till Heaven and Then. Uh, It's the story, the love story of Charles Spurgeon and uh, Susie Spurgeon. So make sure you go and check that out. If you had the opportunity or the interest, and there's me hitting my desk, if you had the opportunity, go and check out that book. It is a fantastic book, beautifully written, well-researched. We talk a lot about, about a lot about that on that show, so go in and get that. By the way, if you guys didn't know, when I do these episodes, I talk with my hands, and so sometimes I bang my knees or my arms or something. Sometimes I actually have to go back and cut out times uh, of, of recording because I make such a loud ruckus. Um, because I talk with my hands and I think that's kind of the, the preacher in me because my wife at one point is like, you need to be more dynamic and you need to be using your hands more. Um, and so when I started, you know, when, when I talk normally, I kind of use my hands. And so when I started preaching, it became very evident to, uh, use my hands more. And so I try to be, um, dynamic. And so like when I'm really emphasizing something in the studio i'm really like a, like if you could see me i'm like clenching fists and i'm like ah this is the point i need to stress to you as you listen to this so make sure you listen to this piece all right i digress so anyways um a little bit of some updates so uh that was kind of the show progression right uh i want to kind of i'd love to get this in under 30 more weeks um and, and and if we get to a point where we're in the book of Revelation and we're just it, it's it feels like the steam's slowing down, we might start to put things together a little bit quicker um, and we won't cover it in such in depth. But, you know, it, it feels like on Instagram and and Facebook and all these pages, there is so many people talking about eschatology and. And in, in, in that there's a lot of misconceptions I'm seeing. And so I, I, look. I'm not the expert. I, I, I don't say I'm the expert on any particular field. I have only, you know, studied this for the last eight months or so. But I can tell you that the amount of work that I've put into this show to produce it, to come up with notes and things like that, um, it's a tremendous amount of work. And so I, I applaud people for taking on this task. It is not a light task. Uh, and I applaud you know, those who are going to look at it on their particular podcast shows, uh, on their Instagram pages, Facebook, whatever they're doing. But it's a it's it's a big piece of meat to ch- bite off and chew on if you've never gone down this road before. And I held off on it. I held off on this for a long time because I didn't want to do the time to investigate it and research it. I just didn't care for it. And Finally, enough people had asked, and uh, it kind of pushed me into the moment that uh, you know I, I finally took it upon myself um, after we did the attribute series, and uh, so I, I you know there's some days I wish I had um, you know some days I wish I had Paul still with me. Honestly, you know I know some people still ask me if Paul and I will ever get back and do a show together. Maybe we might do a single show. I don't know. Um, but uh, this series, I, I really could use a companion on because it is, it is a, an extremely deep topic that always requires, you know, work. And uh, and, and please m- don't take my word as you know, you know, as 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 authority. Um, you know, make sure that if you hear me say something, you go and research it. Uh, because w- what I'm talking from, and as I've said so many times, my view is built upon my hermeneutic. And so that's kind of what I've been really pushing forward in uh, as we've gone through the, the scripture is, you know, a very simple and easy way to understand some of these texts and and how do they fit into some of these views. So please, if you hear anything that seems a little bit, you know, out there, uh, do your due diligence and and listen to other people and go and do additional research and and please if i come across and say something that's just completely bonkers and wrong feel free to call me out on it i would gladly go back and and re, you know and recant it and and re, and then correct myself because 
I, the last thing I need is for people to get misinformation from me. Uh, but I feel like I have tried and have delivered this position in, in a very non-biased manner. And I feel that I have um, positioned this show to just explain what scripture is saying and teaching. So I don't know how long this episode is going to be as I continue to ramble before we actually get to the meat. We're going to look at these first 13 verses in, in uh, Matthew 25, but I kind of want to put some context to this. Uh, uh, I was able actually to use this text and preach a sermon. Um, and this is the sermon that I preached uh, here in Iowa at my, you can call it interview, preach preaching interview. They had called me in uh, during the interview process and wanted me to preach and lead a service. And this was the text on the calendar. And so I preached a sermon on this. And the, the first probably quarter of the sermon, I built out context to Matthew 24. So that way we understood what was going on in 25. Because as this is one continual sermon, this is one continual thread. There are uh, obviously, different pieces and things that Jesus is talking about that we've covered in the previous weeks, but this particular message, you know, starts a different train of thought. Now we're hitting some parables, and so now the 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 mo the momentum shifts just enough that we have to be uh, we have to be aware of it. We have to be paying attention. We have to understand why and what is going on here, and so. Um, we will kind of recap just a minute on where we were at the end of 24 because it's going to play into where he is at in 25. Um, so before we get to that text, just a quick few reminders. You know, if you listen to this show, uh, we are a uh, listener-supported show. And so we use a, a Patreon platform to help sponsor and, and produce uh, this show. And so many people have come alongside us to donate to this ministry and they help fund, you know, the, the studio that I'm in, I've currently, uh, I've got, you know, uh, been able to upgrade my mic, uh, last year, I got new recording software last year. And then, you know, now that I'm in my own little studio room here, I'm sound, I'm starting to buy sound dampening panels. So that way the sound is clean and crisp and there's nothing as I bang my mic there. Jeez. My hands are going all over the place today, guys. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to really bring in a very professional sound um, and, and trying to really create a, a show that is worthy of people to listen to. So, you know, it, if you don't want to donate, I'm totally cool with that. You know, you don't have to, you know, donate any money or anything like that. But there are a lot of you that are, you know, very generous with that. And I am so deeply indebted to you. Uh, but, you know, please share the show with your friends, your family, your church, your coworkers, whoever you can uh, comment, leave me reviews on whatever platform you're able to. Um, and, and let me know what you think of the show, because that helps draw more attention to this as well. If you like the episode, make sure you share it out and get it out to people. So that's that bit. Second, uh, obviously, everything I do is within Logos Bible Software. You can get a good copy. Uh, you get 10% off and five free books if you go to logos.com forward slash undying light and you get 10% off any package. You can also just get the Logos free package and then just start buying books. I, you know, it doesn't matter to me, but whether you buy a package or just get the free stuff, it is, it is a tremendous help to my walk and I would I, I would urge you to go in and get it. The other thing too is I've mentioned it and some and a lot of people have taken me up on it. If you want a particular theologian or uh, Bible verse quote on uh, on uh, undying light merchandise, whether it's a coffee cup or a sweatshirt, t-shirt, whatever it is, shoot me a DM. I will get it printed and get a run for you and you can go and get uh, that particular item. I've had people actually get quotes that they've heard me say in a sermon and want it printed on their shirts. I've had people pull, uh, the Westminster, um, small confessions question one, uh, put it on a coffee cup. I've had, uh, you know, different Bible verses and different, uh, things from other theologians. So if you have that and you want it, throw it at me, I'll get it printed. 
no big deal. So, all right, guys. Again, thank you for listening. This show is uh, all about you guys, and uh, and and I am so thankful for you as a listener. And so, whether you just uh, share the show or comment on the posts and share it or whatever you do, whatever it is, it is a great help to get this word out to the greater masses. So if you remember last week, we concluded chapter 24 with these three little pieces. We started in verse 29 and went all the way until uh, verse 51. We talked about the coming of the son of man, the lesson of the fig tree, and then no one knows the day and the hour. Now, that is a very crucial piece of information because, see, Jesus is saying that nobody knows the day or hour. Why is that important? Well, because he tells us a parable in the next breath. He tells us that there is nobody here that knows. So let me tell you a parable and explain that. Here's where 25 comes into play. Verse 1, then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all become drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here comes the bridegroom. Come out and meet him. Then all of those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And when they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready with him uh, went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the virgins came also saying, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you neither know the day or the hour. All right, so that's the verse. Verse 13 is a throwback call to verse 36 in chapter 24. Jesus is telling us, nobody knows the day or the hour, so be vigilant, be ready. But let's dig into this text because there's a lot going on here. Uh, that can really uh, help us to understand this parable, right? So first of all, we're, we're given these 10 virgins. Five of these are foolish. Five of these are wise. The foolish uh, have often been related to those who don't fear God. They are simply fools. They are reprobates. They are those in the world. The five wise are those who have wisdom of God. They have faith. They understand the call upon their lives that Christ has given them. Now, these wise virgins bring enough oil and enough wick with them. Obviously, the foolish do not. So what's going on here, right? This text is talking about a wedding, right? That's what we we, we kind of think. And we get this this random parable in the midst of this end of times discussion. So why why does this come here? Why is Jesus transitioning, changing his thought pattern? First of all, he's given us explicit detail in chapter 24 on things that are going to happen. These things will happen, I tell you. The skies are going to crack open and false teachers are going to come you know, cats and dogs living together. It's just going to be utter mayhem, ladies and gentlemen. If you got that reference, please DM me. Please DM me if you got that little reference. I snuck in there. All right, so here we go. Uh, why is he going into a parable like this? Do we just, you know, take this text and isolate it by itself? I mean, a lot of people do. A lot of a lot of preachers will take this text because here, here's the thing: if you follow the uh, the the calendar, the liturgy, boy, my goodness, the calendar that comes out by the church every you know every year, um, this text often comes in right at the beginning of uh, Advent season, and it's often the either the last week. Um, before Advent starts, or it's the week one of Advent. It's usually right in that time period. So it comes right around the beginning of November uh, season. And, and there's a reason to it. And 
So Advent always starts with this warning, the warning that Jesus is coming. And so that's this text here that we're getting. So oftentimes what you'll get is preachers pulling this message and then really just cultivating a really awkward sermon out of it. Because if you don't place it within a, in the greater context, it really, uh, it doesn't have a lot of underneath understanding. Like there's no foundation to it. It just kind of sits here as a parable. Now there's other parables that Jesus speaks and they're, they're really like, you can pick right up and I've preached on some of these and we've talked on them on the show and you really can understand them. But this one, it, it's really kind of bland. Now, at, at face level, it makes sense. The five foolish don't have oil and the five wise have oil. Okay, well, what's the oil? What does that mean? Why are these 10 virgins waiting for the for the groomsmen? Are they all going to, you know, be invited to this wedding? Is he going to pick one? Is he going to pick all five? How does that play out? What, you know, what is it? What is this? What does this mean? And so you hear all sorts of different answers. Now, if you take this and actually place it within the right context, then you get the picture of what Jesus is telling us. That is this few verses are played into this greater discourse here in the Olivet Sermon. So that is exactly why we have to look back and understand chapter 24. Which, by the way, we've talked about extensively on previous episodes. All right, so let's recap here. We got five wise virgins. They keep their lamps filled and their wicks are trimmed and they do not run their lamps. They don't run the oil uh, and burn it. There are five foolish. These are unbelievers. They have burned their oil. They didn't bring extra oil. They didn't bring any additional wicks. Well, it's, it's tough for them. Uh, and, and, you know, here's the thing. They become drowsy, right? Because it's late at night. They're sleeping. They want to fall asleep. And so there's some interpretations on this text that uh, the sleep here can be viewed as just tiredness as we endure life, waiting for the bridegroom to return, which is Christ. Um, this, is the, this is one view is that the the sleepiness that we endure is is life. We grow tired of waiting, we get drowsy at the end of our lives and we uh, we want to just we just want to call it a night, right? We just want to go to we just want to end up dying essentially. Because here's the thing, this sleep can mean literally uh, uh death in this sense, there's an, there's one view on this text. That is that, that many have come and they've waited patiently. They've had their, their, their wicks trimmed and their lamps filled. They've kept the faith. They have, you know, since passed and have moved on. Uh, and you know, and that's why in the church that some of the church bodies celebrate all saints Sunday, um, because they are looking back at those who have come before them and, you know, and this is the reality here, right? That this drowsiness can indicate that, uh, it, it could, you know, and I'll get to another interpretation of it, but this is one view, right? Is that we, we hear this promise all through our lives that, uh, Jesus is coming and, and we must be prepared. You have to be prepared. He's coming soon, but, oh, here's another war. Here's another disease that's coming out. You know, this person is now the president. You better, you better be praying that Jesus comes soon. And, and it's one thing after another, and it wears us down. And it's been going on since the apostles ascended, or the, uh, the apostles went into the world and Christ ascended to heaven. So that's one view. The other is, is simply this, that they just, you know, are one particular instance of time Here's these virgins. The story is in, in one particular point, and they become drowsy and fall asleep. And then, you know, the bridegroom comes, the announcements rang out, and uh, uh, and they go out. Now, that's, you know, w one thing. But it's it's in the context of the rest of the text here in verses, you know, in, in chapters 24 and 25, I, I don't find that one to to really make a lot of sense. If you were to say that this was one particular story that doesn't encompass time, it just doesn't seem to quite 
fill it. Now it can point us to a very particular point in time, the time that Jesus does return at that moment, but it also kind of it, it, the rest of the story really, really then wouldn't make sense. And, and, and let me explain this, right? So, and this is why I kind of think that this drowsiness, the sleep is for all believers, right? We, we are told to be vigilant. We are told to be ready and be prepared for him to come back. And so we, you know, we go about our lives and sometimes we grow tired of waiting. You know, we live our life anxiously waiting for Christ and often a lot. Of, and, and for many of us uh, who've gone before us, they've, they've missed out on the return. And we don't know if we'll see that return in our lives. It could come, you know, a hundred years down the road. And then that trumpet sounds, right? So we, we've been waiting anxiously. The trumpet sounds, here comes Christ. And this is the virgins, right? The believers are awoken and we go into the feast and the fools who uh, will be told that Jesus never knew them. And so that's why I feel like this, this particular parable has a greater span of time that it, that it encompasses and, and that includes, you know, a, a literally a parable that the wise are the believers, the unwise are the unbelievers. And, the wise have to be vigilant. We have to be ready. And when the trumpet sounds, we will go into the wedding feast. So the wise can be viewed as those who endure until the end. They have enough oil and, or guess what? Sometimes that oil can be viewed as faith. We have enough faith. The foolish do not. So now the bridegroom comes and these virgins or the believers or just people and or however you want to place it uh they're awoken the foolish are are you know they they are quick to ask the wise hey give us this oil give us this faith well you know what we know is when that trumpet sounds there is no more there is no more time to get faith there is no more time to get oil you are you are out of luck and so what they, the wise tell them to do is go into the town and look for a merchant, look for, or look for somebody selling oil. And interestingly enough here, it's midnight and who would be open at this time of night trying to sell something. There's very few stores even open nowadays at midnight. Uh, and we're in a world that doesn't sleep. So, Unless you're in Vegas or like in Dubai or somewhere where they don't sleep, you're probably going to be out of luck getting oil. So it's funny, the, the, the wise tell the foolish, hey, go into town and get some oil. There's dealers, go get it. And it's about as foolish as those who fell asleep without the oil. They burned out their lamps and they didn't have any. But here's the thing, the wise can't just give them their faith. They can't give them the oil. You can't give somebody your faith. No matter how hard you try, you can't give your spouse your faith. You can't give your child your faith. You can't give your parents your faith because it is yours. Faith is a singular object and it belongs individually to us. We each have our own and some is more than others. Some is stronger than others. And you know what? Some may doubt or question more. They might be concerned about their faith, but they have a little, and that's what matters. But here, faith is even just a little bit more to us. It's a promise. This faith is a promise that Christ will deliver us, that it is Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, that he faced the wrath of God on the cross. And this oil comes from him in the form of forgiveness, mercy, and grace. And see, this faith isn't something, like I said, we can't give it out for others. We can't even store it ourselves. We can't harbor it. And faith is something that is only given to us by the spoken word of God. And so this is why I urge everybody to be in a church to hear the word of God preached. And if you're not getting fed the word of God, then find another church because it, your life depends on it. Faith is only given by the word of God being preached to you. Paul makes it very clear in Romans 10. And, and we see this witnessed as Jesus is out preaching. Granted, 
This is the son of God walking the face of the earth. And so he's the one that controls who gets faith and who doesn't and who follows him and who falls away. But he knew who would, and he made sure they had the faith. So this is the, this is the oil. This is the oil that is talked about in this. And, and you, can, you can view it, and I've read commentaries, I've heard sermons, I've heard all sorts of different plays on this, what the oil is, what it signifies, what it represents. And, and you know, I, 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 I don't, I come back to this. I, this is what I've, I feel, this is what the Word of God is telling me, that Based upon the context of these two chapters, based upon the story and the message that Christ is giving us, this is the point. The oil is a a representation of our faith. The virgins are a representation of the believers and non-believers. Those who believe have faith. Those who don't, do not. They might have a little for a little bit, but then it gets lost. It was never, it was a seed that fell upon, you know, rocky soil or, or the thorns or the hot path or something. It was there for a quick minute and then it went away. And it's funny. And I made this, I heard a really good analogy when I was doing my research on this sermon and I used this analogy in the sermon and, and they, and people still talk to me about it today. So, uh, this was four months ago. And so I think I really, I, I really late, I, I really brought this one home. I got a, um, very thankful for it, but you know, I made this quote, I said, uh, you know, faith can only be given by the Holy spirit and, and only through the spoken word of, of, of God. I said, but good news, I know of an oil merchant. And as I'm standing in the pulpit, I put my arms out and I said, you're looking at him. I said, I got a deal for you. I'm going to give you this oil. I'm going to give you this faith and it's going to be free. I can give you this oil every week as long as the good Lord gives me breath in my lungs. Because he has a pastor. That's what I'm tasked to do with my congregation. Deliver them faith. I am to preach the word of God. And then the Holy Spirit goes to work. That is my job. That is what I'm tasked with. And, uh, you know, I, I can't brag that that line got me the job, but you know, there's some people in the church that still talk to me about it this day. So, so when Jesus shows up, the shops are closed. The wedding is to go on when he shows up, all bets are off you. When that trumpet blasts, there is no more getting faith. There is no more rushing to your church and asking for forgiveness from your priest or your pastor. There is no more. It is done. The time is over with. And the foolish will come in and they will hear these frightening words. Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. That to me is the most frightening words that you can be uttered by Christ. And so that is why I urge um, everybody to be in a church, to be in a local church, to be in a community of believers so you can hear the word of God preached. Yes, these podcasts are great because we can explain the text to you and we can help you to understand the text in some fashion. And, you know, this interpretation is is, is one that I've kind of put together from a few people here. Uh, there could be, you know, there's, there's probably uh, countless interpretations on this text. Uh, but again, as I mentioned, be very careful who you listen to. Study everything and take everything to the word of God and just examine it fully, deeply. And uh, that way you're not, you know, led astray with, with, with what is being said, because that's the last thing you want to happen to you is for you to fall and be deceived. So watch, be vigilant, pay attention to your pastor, go to church and be vigilant you know, whether you're a traditional church that's got a liturgy and you, um, you know, sing and you pray and all that, when the pastor is given a sermon, if he is preaching a biblical sermon, you can, you should be able to take notes from it. Not always. And, and let me kind of explain this a little bit, because I used to be one that was really big on notes. I really needed to understand what was going on in the text. 
And now I preach a little bit different and, and I probably preach in a manner that you wouldn't take notes because I'm not telling you the historical context to a passage. Like if I were to take this ver- these verses here and preach it, there's no historical context to it. It's a parable. So I would have to preach it in the form of a parable, but I can preach it in the manner of law and gospel. And, and I feel like that's something that really has been lost in, as an art form in the church today. And by law and gospel, I mean, I'm going to look at this and I'm going to hammer on this notion that the oil is faith and that there are wise and unwise people potentially in the congregation I'm looking at or in the community or, you know, that we know in our lives. And, and, and that would be my hammering of the law. I would drive forward that these things aren't being accomplished. We are not doing these things enough. We are, we fail to do these things. We are um, coming up short in every category. And then I would deliver the gospel. And it would be simply what I said there, that line that I think won me the job, that I am the oil merchant. I am the one preaching this good news to you. I'm giving you this faith and that this faith can only come through the word of God, through the mouth of a preacher, because Paul tells us that in that nice little section there in Romans 10, verses 10 through 17, how can one have faith if they don't hear the word of God preached? And how can one be sent if, if God doesn't send anybody? It is God who does the work. And so when you are in church, pay attention to your pastor. You don't have to take notes if, you, if you're not a note taker, but just be vigilant. Open your ears and allow the word of God to just saturate you. This faith in that day is given to you for free. This is a free gift of salvation. The forgiveness of sins is being offered. And it will continue to be offered as long as you continue to go to church. The faith, the oil, it fills your lamp and it assures that you are ready. And by the death of Christ, the olive that was pressed by God's wrath, this is the forgiveness of your sins once and for all. And this is the bridegroom when he comes. This is the one that when the trumpet sounds and you hear the announcement that the bridegroom is coming, this is Christ coming up the path, waiting for those who are his. Now, there's a lot that goes on into this text, right? You know, that was, um, I I, I hope, a, a quick, you know, breakdown, if you would. Uh, I want to look over some notes uh, that I've got on these verses. That was kind of my sermon in a nutshell, if you would. I did leave some things out, but that was kind of how I preached the sermon. Uh, but I'm going to go over some notes just to, you know, maybe clear up some things and, and maybe add a little bit more lights. These are things that I uh, used and not used uh, when I was when I gave my sermon. So uh, let's take a gander here. So verse one. The kingdom of heaven will be, uh, there are various other notes here, uh, the ten virgins, bridesmaids, bridegroom, as God refers to himself as the husband of Israel in the Old Testament. So Jesus pictures himself as the bridegroom. It is, or it was the Jewish marriage custom for the groom and his friends to leave the home and proceed to the home of the bride where the marriage ceremony was to be conducted often at night. Uh, after this, the entire wedding party returned to the groom's home for a celebratory banquet. All right, so here's the that's the context of why there's this parable here, uh, and why it's a, a um, marriage ceremony at night, and these two parties of individuals, the bridegroom's party and these virgins. Uh, it was a Jewish custom, and so. The disciples that Jesus is speaking to would be very familiar with this language. Now, verses three and four, the lamps, uh, these were often large dome-shaped torches fueled by rags soaked in oil and used for walking outside. This oil con- uh, uh, with extra containers of oil, the torches could last for several hours. Now, I'm going to bring up some other stuff. I'm going to see if we can't get a bit different, uh, any any other sort here. Um of notes on it. Uh, these are verses three through eight become drowsy and slap some of the oil. The details belong to the parable social setting and narrative moment. Uh, they should not be allegor- allegorized. Uh, even wise virgins sleep and even the foolish find oil to buy. 
Instead, the story makes a single point. When the bridegroom arrives, it will be too late to prepare to welcome him home. Yeah, so that's actually an interesting uh, little nugget here because um, while we still have time, the foolish can still find oil. They can still renew and fill their lamps, and the virgins will still sleep. And we go back to that analogy of death. But even those who are outside of God's, you know, will can still be called into his will. You know, it just comes through the preaching word of God. And so while the bridegroom is away, there is still time. The bridegroom hasn't come, but that's the point of this parable that in this moment, the time is up because guess what? This parable belongs into the entire discord discourse of the return of Christ. And so when these moments happen, it's over with. Nine and ten, not be enough for us and you. Torches require regular refilling those who are ready. Uh, it was their responsibility of each person to be prepared individually to go in with the bridegroom to the wedding banquet. So, again, comes back to this analogy that the faith that they have is their own. It's their own individual faith. You are charged with it. Uh, and then the words that Jesus speaks here at the end of this parable, I do not know you. Uh, the Old Testament speaks of God knowing his chosen people, referencing Jeremiah 1.5, Hosea uh, 13.50, Amos 3.2. Uh, the same theme continues in the New Testament where it describes having a saving relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Galatians 4.8-9, 2 Timothy 2.19. And then 13 here, watch therefore, the point of this parable is that the disciples must watch correctly in order to properly prepare and be ready to accompany the Son of Man when he returns. You neither know know the day or hour, see or know earlier. So as I mentioned, this is that verse 13 is a throwback to the previous verses. It is, or the previous chapter where Uh, Jesus is talking about nobody knowing the day or the hour. And uh, that's the thing where we get um, this concept to be ready, to watch, to always uh, be vigilant. And, you know, that's the thing at the end of the day is this question that we can place upon ourselves. Are we ready? Are we vigilant? Are we, uh, are we continuously filling our lamps with faith to ensure that we are ready for the time that Christ will return? And, and I feel like as I'm, as I'm exploring some of these outlets in, in my ministry here, not necessarily in my local town, but especially like on social media, uh, I, I'm finding there's a lot of people telling us all sorts of different things. And most of the time, it's not right. We've got a lot of Instagram pages and Facebook pages that are just false mumble jumble. It is just a bunch of junk. And I call it junk theology. It's lazy and it's pathetic. And that is the big issue that we find ourselves into these days is that these people are subscribing instead of to the good, wholesome word of God. uh, They're getting their theology from an Instagram page. So... Here's, you know, here's the thing. We have to be vigilant. Jesus is telling us that nobody knows the day or the hour, but we are given this time period of our lives. We we don't know why. We don't know what our ultimate purpose are is, is for, but at the end of the day, we must be vigilant and ready for his return. Uh, I looked, pulled up another set of notes here in, on verse three, uh, streets, Even large cities had no public lighting. The foolish virgins do not consider the possibility that their bridegroom might be delayed, so they bring no extra oil for their lamps. The oil represents faith continuously sustained by a means of grace, uh, thus able to endure until Christ's return. And uh, so this is the thing, right? That the foolish don't take oil with them because they they do not anticipate the bridegroom is going to be delayed. They think that he'll just be returning in their respected time frame. And that's, you know, what a lot of the early church and, and probably even many throughout the, the history of the church have thought. Well, I have, you know, calculated this and I've, you know, read these these scriptures and, and I've deduced from that this time period is when Jesus is going to return. Well, then that time period comes and goes and there is still no Christ. 
See, that's exactly what's happening in the story. And that's why Jesus gives us this, that we're not rushing out to believe the next person who's made a prophecy on a date because nobody knows the day or the hour. We are supposed to be uh, filling our lamps with faith by hearing the word of God being preached to us. That is the premise of this parable. I mean, I really don't know how much more I can, uh, you know, hammer this out. It's not a lot of text here. It's only, you know, 13 verses and there's some truth to it. Um, and But the bigger piece that we have to understand here is it's fitting nicely into this puzzle. Now, the next one we will look at is a little bit longer. It's 14 through uh, verse 30. It's the final parable in our journey here next week. And so we will look at this and uh, we will dig into it. And so it's the parable of the talents. And so this one's an interesting parable as well. And uh, I hope that this series has been edifying to you guys. And I pray that you've learned a little bit of something and maybe challenged what you've already known. Um, Because like I said, I'm not an expert on this stuff, but I hope that you can pull something out of here, take a, a piece of truth and just kind of chew on it and say, wow, I didn't realize that it could mean this. And so, you know, I hope and I pray that, uh, you know, what you guys are getting is edifying and uh, and you've enjoyed it. So prior to the last few you know weeks of episodes, I've ran well over the hour mark. I am not going to do that to you this week. I'm going to keep it right around the 45 minute mark for you. And uh, that's it. Um, again, guys, if you want to support this show, please, you know, prayerfully consider it. Uh, there's the, uh, Patreon page on dying light. I have a video there that I kind of walk through some very quick things. And, uh, I have a video on my Instagram page, reformed lifestyle, and you can, uh, kind of watch about a 20 minute breakdown of all the things that we do. Uh, it's not real professional on that one. I was just sitting in a car one day bored, but, uh, just, uh, you know, hit me up in a DM if you have questions. You know, I, I've always advertised it as a dollar a month. Gets you in access to all the behind-the-scenes stuff. And you can uh, become a part of this family, this ministry. And, uh, you know, I don't want to set up tiers like other people do. I don't feel like I need I can sell my stuff. I don't think that's right for me. But what I do and give back to you uh, I think is well worth the dollar that you would spend. So uh, some people give more and that's, you know, that's uh, a, a tremendous blessing, but I, I'm serious. Only a dollar gets you in on this, on this movement that we're doing. And, you know, you can join us for Bible studies. We do, we have a discord server that uh, you can get on and chat with us all the time. We're always talking about something and uh, you know, you can, get on the show with me. You can talk with me on here. You get uh, all sorts of giveaways and stuff. I'm giving away. Uh, I've got a few copies of the the new book, Yours Till Heaven. And I'm going to give that away to some of my Patreons. And um, I've got some other books in my lineup here that I'm going to throw, throw at those winners as well. So those are things that I like to do and give back to that community because they've been so uh, tremendous in helping me. So you know, DM me if you have any questions, um, but you can go to Patreon. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Undying Light, and you can uh, just look through what I do. I, I probably put up two or three or four posts a week on there of content. You get my sermon notes every week. You get my the early release on the show. Sometimes I'm not quite as quick anymore um, because I'm producing the shows on the week that they're being released, but uh, I do give you know, people, you know, blog access so they can read the blogs early. They get sermon notes early, schoolwork uh, action, and uh, early show notes. So they get a lot of things there. So that's it for me, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much again for listening. And if you uh, want to uh, not support us financially, that is totally okay with me. But make sure you uh, just uh, share this show Uh, Leave us reviews on iTunes and Spotify and every other platform that you listen to us on and uh, share it with as many people as you can across whatever platform you run on. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. I uh, am very happy to continue doing this series with you. And so I hope you enjoy hanging out with me 
and uh, we will see you all next Friday. God bless and have a great week. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.